0: We're in a series called Overcoming Fear, and we are talking about, uh, you know, Christ's message uh, of faith, you know, calling us into faith and how that's what we need when it comes to, uh, like, living through this age and era of anxiety that we are in. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about that from several different angles, and today's text is going to be one that I think is familiar uh, to many of us. It's, uh, you know, I think we hold it dear to our hearts. Psalm 23. So um, let's go ahead and take a look at it. And I invite you, as I read it, uh, to let let these images speak to you. Um, Psalm 23, just let it, you know, infiltrate your imagination for a second. Hear the poetry of it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Yeah, God, you, um, you just did something incredible in inspiring these words for us. Um, thank you for them. Thank you, God. These, uh, these words have found, found resonance um, over, you know, thousands of years, over generations and generations, and uh, they have revealed who you are and who we are to you. Um, So God, I just pray that you would, um, yeah, by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, reveal yourself today, God. Reveal yourself to uh, the deep places of our hearts, maybe especially the places that feel like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, dark, frightening places, God. So uh Lord, we love you, we trust you, um, I'm at your service, God, use me. I'm an uh open and willing vessel. I want to uh, bring a word that blesses your church. so help me, God. Um, we pray this on your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh if uh it, you know anybody who knows me knows that I really love a few things uh, I really love god i love my family i love uh, our church uh, and a fourth thing maybe even fourth in the whole list is a love for swimming pools um this is probably a product of growing up in bakersfield california which like everybody knows what is bakersfield known for being really hot just like so hot okay um i remember one fourth of july when i was uh uh in high school and it was midnight we had like done all the fireworks and stuff, midnight, 4th of July, and it was 100 degrees out. And so that's where my love of swimming pools came from. Um, And when my family got a swimming pool when I was about 12 years old, it was life-changing. It was absolutely the best. And as much as I love swimming, I think it's really confined to swimming pools because um, I actually have this strange phobia of deep, open water. Um... You know, in a series about fear, I just want to let you in a little bit on some fears that I have. Um, And pools, uh, you know, you can see the bottom of them. Like, there's no sharks there. There's no crocodiles. There's no electric eels, most of all. That's what I was most afraid of as a kid. Um, And that's not the same with a lake or an ocean. Uh, Deep, vast, open water And I think there's a frightening hugeness to that deep opening water for me. Um, The fact that I can't see the world that's happening below the surface. And I can't say I'm actually fully over my fear of uh, deep open water, though I've grown older and I've tried. Um, And this is what brings us to Psalm 23. Uh, I'm trying to get at, you know, in my own image, my own uh, hopefully semi-poetic way, you know, looking at the poetry of this verse for us. Psalm 23, especially verse four. And I believe these verses carry actually an important message for us about what maturing in life with God looks like. The way that we grow up and our fears our relationship with fears can change over time. And I think part of what maturing with God looks like, looks like, you know, in the spiritual mechanics of it, is entering into deeper water, entering into frightening places and finding God there. Spiritual maturity happens when we enter into the fear of the unknown, the fear of being alone, and the fear of intimacy, strangely enough. And we find God with us in the depths. So how do we see this? Uh, I've been speaking to this a little bit, but uh, the most crucial, you know, I think the key to understanding that in these verses is the fact that these Psalms are poetic. Um, It's poetry. And like most poetry that's popular, it was always sung. I, I mean, a lot of us, we can't, you know, quote sonnets of Shakespeare or quote Maya Angelou off like off the top of our heads. But if like we hear the baseline for uh, like Vanilla Ice, like Ice Ice Baby, we can do the whole rap. Or you know, if we are uh, <laughs> like if I hear a little bit of All Star, I'm taken back to sixth grade, like jumping on the trampoline with my friends, like singing Smash Mouth. Right? Like, there's a way that uh, poetry that's sung has a way of like. You know, getting into our bodies, our bones, and this is what Psalm 23 was. It was part of the, um, you know, the hymn book of the Jewish people. It was a song that people sang to God, and um, we, we've already sang, you know, one song so far in the first set that was almost exactly the words of Psalm 23. Uh, this psalm has so inspired so much worship music to God. Um, And like all good poetry that's sung, it is full of uh, poetic things like imagery, symbolism, metaphor, you know, it's not like we're talking about a shepherd and a a sheep, like it goes beyond the very literal base meaning and into something that I think is more substantial. And that's what we're going to be teasing out throughout the rest of this sermon. We see in verse four, that the shepherd leads the sheep into the valley of the shadow of death. This is, I think, a crucial poetic image that represents uh, God leading us into the frightening unknown. And this is the first fear that we'll face is the fear of the unknown if we're going to enter into more substantial maturity in our lives with God. This is what the valley of the shadow of death, death represents, the uncertain, the unfamiliar, the unknown. That's what it's symbolic for, and let me tell you why. Uh, there's a Hebrew word that it's translated from, and it's called, uh, the word is smallveth, uh, small smallmaveth. all right? Uh, I don't speak Hebrew, as you can tell, uh, um And this is the word that we translate into the phrase, the shadow of death or deep darkness. It, you know, depends on the translation of scripture that we're looking at. And it brings together two words, you know, and puts them together. The first word is tsel, which means shadow, and maveth, which means death. So it's like saying, hey, here's this death shadow, uh, what an ominous word, right? The death shadow. I feel like it should be some sort of super, super villain's like worst uh, weapon or something, right? Um, but imagine this, this word, this concept is what's written in this poem. And this is what it is setting up. Um, a shepherd, you know, let's use our imaginations for a second. A, a shepherd is leading a lamb into a dark valley. And it's dark because there's a shadow cast on it, and that shadow comes from death. Death is casting the shadow. And if we're playing with that image, it's as if like death is this mountain. And, you know, the shepherd is leading the sheep through this shadow. And um, and this mountain of death, this mountain of destruction, despair, doom... Tragedy, calamity, that's casting the shadow that is making the valley dark. So in this way, I think there is this looming, you know, gigantic force that is um, spoken of, like the, that death is casting the shadow. And this is the valley that the shepherd is leading the sheep into. I believe this is a picture almost fundamentally of like what fear is. It's, it's poetic, it's symbolic, but I think this is what fear feels like. It's a fear of some sort of shadowy, shrouded, unknown, uncertain possibility of suffering or loss. The shadow of death. You know, the loss of a job. I'm just not expecting it. The loss of... Uh, uh, of a, a person in our lives to death. Uh, the loss of a home or, you know, the loss of a friend who's moving away or whatever it might look like. These things that are unforeseen, that are unknown, that f- show up and there's a destruction, a loss, a tragedy that is there. Um, you know, to relate it to my fear of like open water, it's like there's below this surface some unknown, unseen thing that's probably a, like a hungry shark that is trying to get me. Uh, you know, this is a child's mind that is, has grown up and it's still an adult's mind, right? But uh, that there's something below the surface that is unknown, unseen, that can cause some sort of harm. And I think this is what is wrapped up in the image of the shadow of death. A thing not specifically said in this verse, but I think is really important to get from the context of it, is that the good shepherd is actually leading the sheep there. Leading up to verse four, um, we see pictures of the sheep being led by this shepherd, trusting this shepherd, going to green pastures, going beside cool waters. And are we to think then that all of a sudden, this sheep is no longer being led by the shepherd? Uh, maybe the shepherd only takes the sheep to delightful, pleasant places, um, to places of comfort and nourishment. But the shepherd has his sheep on an on a intentionally guided journey into the dark unknown. Think about that. The shepherd is taking his sheep into this, these places where fears run rampant. You know, I'd say like really out of the comfort zone, out of what we already know. And I believe God will lead us out of the comfort zone and into the unknown. And this is one of the ways that he helps us face the fear of the unknown for the sake of expanding us in maturity. It's to get us somewhere important on the other side. God might actually lead us into a place where What was familiar is defamiliarized for us. What we were once oriented toward is disoriented, and you know, I I, very personally, I'm feeling this currently. I I just um, you know a few months ago started a new role at the church uh, as a discipleship and formation minister, and it has me just like really like learning a lot how to manage, how to like take a bigger scope of responsibility and all these things, and. I feel like really disoriented in it. You know, so disoriented that sometimes I'm just like, dude, I don't, do I want to do this, right? Like, do I really want to do this? But what I count on is this trust that God's led me this far. He can lead me through the disorienting, the unknown, the uncertain, the things where I'm not familiar and I don't have it figured out. But when we enter into this fear of the unknown, um, I think what's actually on the other side of it is, is knowledge, it's wisdom, it's clarity. That which was unknown to us, unfamiliar, becomes known and familiar. And I think it's for this reason that the Good Shepherd leads us into this dark shadow of death into the frightening unknown. It's to help expand our learning, help us integrate more. And as I, you know, even engage the unknown in my life, I I can sense God is doing something, stretching me into more, as challenging as it is for all of us. God leads us through this valley of the shadow of death for the sake of maturing us. And I think when we are in that shadowy place, and it might actually be so shadowy, so shrouded in darkness, we might look around and see nobody else there. So there we face another fear, a fear of being alone. It's one of the great illusions of darkness and frightening places that we are alone in them. That we must face them alone. But I think this is what it can feel like to be in the shadow of death. The darkness shrouds our view. Um, you know, it's. I, I think something strange happens actually in the darkness that we're familiar with from childhood, where the dark becomes like a projector that we can put whatever we're afraid of onto it. Right? Um, you know, the dark, the dark corner of the closet is actually where the monsters live. Uh, you know, the darkness under the bed, that's where there's more monsters. Like when we, when we close our eyes and go to sleep, like in the darkness behind our eyelids, like that's where bad dreams come, right? Like there's this thing when we're kids that there's um, a fear of the dark. And in my opinion, this only gets more sophisticated as we grow older. We might not be afraid of the dark in the same sort of way. But we instead shift this fear into a fear of what we can't see yet. Um, most commonly, uh, this is perhaps even the very definition of anxiety, a fear of the future. What's next? What's missing? What do we not know yet? We can't see what's there. And uh, it's only human, sometimes, to, to fill our minds with worst-case scenarios. Uh, it's not only a matter of uh, hey, you know, maybe I'll get a match on Hinge or something. Uh, you know, that's that's what I would have thought back before I got married. Um, but um, not only will I get a match on Hinge, but actually they're probably going to be really horrible, right? Uh, and maybe I'll leave my job. And actually, if I did that though, it'd probably be a much much worse job that I found next, right? Um, we project these worst case scenarios on things. Um, and we can cast our disappointments into the future. You know, I'll, I'll never make friends in this new city. I'm stuck forever in this addiction. Um, we're struggling to make ends meet, and this is how it's going to be forever. The valley of the shadow of death is marked, actually, by this kind of pessimism, this kind of deeply alone experience. It's as if... Um, This mountain, this mountain of death, the sun's behind it, and it's blocking the light that we need, blocking some sense of hope. I think at the core of this is a fear of being alone. I found that it's actually really easy to face frightening things when I'm with people, and I I know they're in in it with me. Uh, But we keep thinking that we're going to be alone in this Unforeseen future. There's going to be no others. There. There's going to be no other opportunities or possibilities, and any others that poss- oh, you know pop up are probably going to be worse. You know, it's just that worst projection. Uh, you know, worst case scenario projection. But this is an absolute lie. We see this in the confidence of the psalmist. In David, when he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Contrary to this worst case scenario projection, the darkness, the unknown, oh, oh, this anxious feeling of it's all going to go wrong, we can reach into this shadowy darkness and we we find a hand there. And it's a familiar hand. It's really the same one as before that's been leading us along the way. We see this, uh, you know, leading up to verse 4 in this psalm, that the good shepherd is leading his sheep beside still waters, filling them up, bringing opportunities to rejoice and rest, to be nourished. It's that same shepherd, it's that same hand that guides This is the good shepherd that we've known from before. And I think the key to walking into the fear of the unknown and the fear of being alone is to remember. Don't let the fearful place lead you to, let you forget. Instead, remember, we must remember that He's led us this far and He will lead us through this as well. We are not alone. Fear no evil. Don't project the worst case scenario on your unknown future, because God is with you. The God who is with you in the good times is with you right now in the dark times. Uh, toward the end of college, my best friend, Ben, uh, came on a family vacation. We were on the coast near Ventura. Uh, we are just hanging out, and Ben is like a, a true close friend. Uh, He and I had just walked through, Uh, he had helped me like get through a breakup and involved us like singing lots of really pitiful breakup songs. And, uh, you know, I needed him (laughs) so bad, a close and trusted friend. And he and I went to the ocean one day and remember my fear of deep water, just the kind of looming terror of what's out there, endless deep water. But I was there with my best friend And we swam and we swam deeper and deeper into the ocean. We played catch with some seaweed and we just laughed so hard. It was uncontrollable after actually, like, you know, getting getting salt water up your nose, you know, kind of laughter, right? And I forgot my fear entirely. Because my best friend who I trusted and, you know, my best friend who I knew had gone through so much with me from before was there with me in the water if we want to grow and mature in our lives with god it's going to take entering this unknown this these dark places shrouded where we can't necessarily see the way where we might even feel alone but when we find god there we remember it's been him who's been there with us all along So the question is, if we enter into the unknown or the possibility of feeling alone, will there be another fear that trips us up? And I think this is actually the kicker. And it's the fear of intimacy. I know like even me saying that, that out loud right now, like this feels very confessional. I, I have a deep fear of intimacy. I think for many people there can be this fear of what if they really knew me? What if I was fully seen? Would I be rejected? Discarded? Abandoned? Because it's one thing to know that there's a presence with us in the darkness to reach out and have a hand, right? But it's another thing to actually receive that presence into your life, to receive them into the depths of you. Um, There's this old saying that goes intimacy, it means into me see, Uh, it's so cheesy and so memorable. (laughs) But letting people in, self-disclosing is the way to find intimacy. It has to do with, like, inviting people into the dark corners of our lives, our past, telling those confessional stories. And for many of us, there's, there's real fears that keep us from that sort of intimacy. Uh, we have people who've betrayed us, betrayed our trust, people who we thought, who we had intimate connection with and who knew us and then they left, right? And we might live with this kind of fear of letting people know what's going on below the surface with us. Um, or actually the kind of clever workaround for it in our, in our moment is we, we pay professionals exclusively to know the deep inner below the surface stuff for us. And so we, we pay somebody and we can fire them if it gets uncomfortable. Right, like uh, this is the sort of you know kind of one-way intimacy that we can control. Um, but I think this this is I think we're just designed for so much more, so much more intimacy than could be contained in a, a counselor's office, and this is that were designed for intimacy with God. And we need him so badly, actually, to lead that dance for us. The Psalm explains that the kind of shepherd God is, is one who is reliable and trustworthy, safe. Everything that you would want from somebody that you're going to let see into the depths of you. He is good. He is trustworthy. He has like a proven track record. The verse says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, in the poetry and symbolism of the verse, we see the rod and the staff of the shepherd, meaning, um, you know, rod, which represents like protection. It's like uh, this kind of like rod of defense. And the staff, I would say like a walking staff, it represents steadiness, right? Right. Um, so God, this shepherd, this good shepherd is represented as not only a God who's been there from before in the good times and tracked with you all along, but he has also been, is shown to be a protective God, a steady God. This is his character. This is what makes him an excellent partner for intimacy. And Jesus himself identifies himself in the imagery of Psalm 23 that he is the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. It does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons them and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I want to extra highlight Jesus saying, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. What a picture of this mutual intimacy, deeply knowing each other. So, in this unforeseen danger that arises, Jesus also gives this picture of a wolf like creeping out of the shadows. It's almost as if to say, like, that thing that you are afraid of while walking through the valley of the shadow of death will pop out. And Jesus, like, is ready to throw down, basically. He's ready to protect, he's ready to raise that rod. He's ready to put his life on, line for the, she- on the line for the sheep. For us, his disciples, this is what he's willing to do. This is what he has done. And this is the character of God, our good shepherd in Psalm 23. He has this impeccably trustworthy character. He's a reliable guide. He's protective. He's steady. When these things come together, uh, like almost the equation of it is like, Hard, dark times, fearfulness, all of it, plus the presence of a protective, good, caring God, it equals comfort. So, as we navigate deep fears, um, you know, elements of our future that are frighteningly unknown, uh, the fears of being alone, perhaps uh, a fear of intimacy, even, we can rest assured that God is wanting to be with us. God wants to be with you. Um, our prayer minister, David McKinney, he tells the story of talking to a man named Dr. Carl Lehman, who is a Christian psychiatrist. He uh, kind of created the the Emmanuel prayer approach, which we use a lot in um, kind of praying with people. And it's a beautiful way to really connect with God in some deep ways. And uh, as the story goes, uh, you know, Dr. Carl is talking to David and a group of people who, about, like, uh, kind of like grieving. Really, the fact that there's a lot of people who don't necessarily move into maturity in faith, um, and so David asks a question: like, wh- how? Like, how do you? What does it take to shift towards maturity? And this is, uh, you know, kind of my paraphrase: is that intimacy is what moves people into different stages of maturity. It's actually the experience of being in the, maybe the frightening, the unknown, the alone, and actually experiencing a close, reliable, steady, dependable person there. And that's what shifts us in maturity. And really this is one of my greatest hopes for our church in our discipleship and in our formation is that we would be stepping into maturity in Christ and what that primarily means is actually facing our fears of intimacy and instead being willing to receive intimate connection with God with trusted people in our community so that we we would become those mature spiritual mothers and father, fathers for the city of San Francisco so that our neighbors, our coworkers, would just be like, you know who I trust, who's dependable, who's protective, who is steady? Oh, it's my coworker uh, who goes to Reality San Francisco. Like, that's my dream, right? And that as they are going through these deep and dark places, they would find a real uh, intimate connection. I, I think this is honestly what evangelism in the modern age looks like. Um, it's tracking with people through the hard times, and being willing to sh- be there for them, and direct them towards Jesus in those moments. So, one last quick story about my fear of deep deep water. All right, um, uh, I have the great pleasure of uh, being married to Lindsay. You saw her earlier, and uh, wouldn't you know that she's scuba certified. <laughs> um, so <laughs> during our, um, honeymoon, um, I got to go on a scuba dive. Um, and, uh, I remember putting on the gear and then, you know, doing that thing where you back off the back of, uh, of the boat and the, the rush of anxiety as I'm trying to breathe through this thing and you know, wear all the mask and the gear and it's weighing me down and all of it. And, um, and I remember the guy who was guiding us um, saying like, hey, you, you know, your mask isn't made for you to breathe above water. You have to go under. You have to go under the water. And I eventually kind of mustered it and, uh, you know, to go under this water that was deep, 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 deep. And once you know, you know, I could breathe, <laughs> right? Um, and and I had the best time. I had the best time. And I got to watch Lindsay, you know, chase, chase a sea turtle. And it was the most beautiful memory of my life, perhaps. Um, I say this as just a picture of sometimes it's the people who God has put in our lives, these intimate, trustworthy people, these close friends, partners. They will do things that help, help prime us and pull us into fear in ways that are trustworthy. Um... And that's because this is part of the way God is discipling us through our circumstances into maturity and he'll use people like this. Um, and it's because on the other side of that valley of shadow of death, we see this, this picture of uh, the dwelling place of the Lord, the place that we will dwell forever. There is a whole world below the surface in the deep water and it's beautiful. And we have to go through the fear to get there. And God won't leave us alone. So as we're on the home stretch here, uh, I hope you felt you know, thoroughly invited into deeper waters, um, uh, into intimacy with God, especially in these like, unknown or frightening places in your life. Uh, two ways I, I just exhort you as our church to get more fully into this uh, is connected to our rule of life. So um, in our rule of life, we have these eight practices that we're just slowly trying to you know, take on in our congregation. One of them is uh, the practice of solitude and silence. Um, just connecting to the presence of God alone. Uh, and I especially you know, implore you this week to pray um, about the ways God is inviting you into unlo- unknown or alone places. Um, how is he inviting you into that? How does he want to make his presence known to you in the places where you feel like you might be experiencing a fear of the unknown or a fear of being alone? Sit with God in solitude and silence in there. The second uh, is community. This is another important part of our our rule of life. And uh, my old professor, he used to say... uh, if you can't go there with God, you have to go there with other people. Um, so if for whatever reason, connecting to God in these darker or, or frightening places might be tough, um, this is the beautiful provision of, of Christian community. Connect with a, a trusted friend. Uh, what we've encouraged people to do is like, just connect with these friends. Tell them your, tell them your life story. Tell them the, the things that might feel confessional or scary. Um, Share with, things those, share with them those even dark places in your life. So uh, solitude and silence, community, I think these are really, really valuable practices for how we can get deeper into maturity in our life with God by facing the fear of the unknown, the fear of being alone, and the fear of intimacy. So I'm going to invite the worship crew back up, and would you pray with me? So thank you Jesus for being our good shepherd who will give his life for the sheep yeah God and I I just pray for um, any of those uh, spaces in our hearts that um, you know are are darkened God um, maybe there's uh, things that we're afraid of that are unknown uh, or actually maybe, maybe the thing is we're, we're so deeply comfortable uh, and we don't go to unknown places and you're actually trying to lead us into places that might, uh, might feel like the valley of the shadow of death. Help us to be willing to go there with you, God. Because there is a purpose. There's a purpose on the other side. We thank you, God, so much for the gift of... Um, your intimate presence that is trustworthy and good and loving and safe. Uh, I pray God over our church that you would usher us into um, just the fact that deep, dark places, that's sort of uh, where you show yourself most intimately with us. To mature us, to, just to show us some love. So I pray that over our congregation that you would help us meet you in those places and find your love there, God. We bless you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.